This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education student support and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis, and we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. Uh, Hello, world. Uh, Welcome to the Champions Coffee podcast, where every week we have coffee with an education professional who is out there on the front lines, championing students to be all that they can be. I'm your host, Ben Hallett, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Vigo. And for those of you who don't know about us, Vigo is a student support platform that helps educators connect your students to your champions, which are your mentors, your tutors, your counsellors, and everything in between. At Vigo, we believe in celebrating professionals who make all of these support services and student success programs tick, which is why we're doing this podcast. Uh, today, we are... Uh, we are very lucky to have uh, with us uh, Kerry Valentine. Um, Kelly, uh, Kerry, sorry. Kerry is representing Torrens University, part of the Laureate International Universities Group, uh, as the National Student Support Manager. In this role, Kerry supports Torrens and Think Education students across Australia and New Zealand through her work in the areas of disability and Indigenous support, counselling, student safety and diversity. She commenced her career teaching secondary English and French in both Canada and Hong Kong before ta- taking, uh, taking on English language program management. After many years in Hong Kong, Kerry and her family moved over to Perth, uh, where she started work as Dean of the University of Western Australia Foundation Program for Study Group and subsequently uh, management roles in the international and student experience at Curtin University. Kerry has now been with Laureate since her relocation to Sydney in early 2018. Kerry, good morning and welcome. Hi, Hi Ben. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And um, for those of you who caught our technical hiccup before, um, my apologies. Uh, thanks for coming back in. I think we've got our internet connection sorted now, Kerry. Great. <laughs> All right. So... I'd love to jump into um, the questions today because I'm actually, I'm yet to get through all of the questions with any guests yet, Kerry. So I reckon you and I could potentially do it in time. All right. It's a challenge. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So um, I'd love to start off uh, with understanding a bit more about the, the life experiences that first motivated you to enter into the education space, but then also into the stream of uh, student support, student success uh, and that type of work. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, we joke in my family that education is family business. My dad was a school principal, <laughs> my mom a teacher. Uh, I'm one of six siblings, and pretty much all of us bar one ended up in education. So I guess it was just yeah. a natural evolution. <laughs> yeah. All of our extended family, we're all, it's, it's the family gig. We're all educators. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, going through uni, the one thing I said I was not going to be was a teacher. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It happens. Uh, So I started, when I started, I was in Canada and we we are a bilingual nation. So I was doing FSL as opposed to ESL. I was teaching French as a second language. And that was a really good um, entree into language acquisition and things. And so it was a pretty natural you know, moved to a, a country where I was doing ESL and also high school English and, and more French, even in Hong Kong. That was good. Um, but for me, um, the transition into student experience, I suppose when you go into education management, they're never mutually exclusive. I mean, no matter what your role is, that should always be something that you're thinking about. It's always there. You know, what 
what matters, what what's good for the students, what's going to have that impact that you really want. Um, and when I became a parent, um, it shifted my perspective even further. And please, I'm not I'm not intimating on any level that people who are not parents aren't good educators. I'm just saying for <laughs> me, um, that was a bit of a watershed. Uh, because it does shift your perspective. You're very, it, it's very personal suddenly when you look at education and you think you always put it through that lens. And then, um, so I have two boys and my second son is special needs. And that again, shifted my perspective drastically because I was very much aware of those people who were not part of the mainstream and those who were maybe a little bit removed and, and needed just that little bit of support and little extra just to make it a little equal for them in terms of access to education. So that's why, and that's why I'm super passionate about what I do because it's, it's personal and it's meaningful. Wow. That's, that's really powerful. Um, and, uh, and, and you and I actually share that in common. I come from a, a whole long line of um, teachers and principals and everything. And <laughs> I, I too said, I won't be a teacher. And I'm the first one to, to get into the university space. Um, <laughs> That, that being said, I have one sister who's not in education. She's the black sheep of the family, so yeah. Yeah, we shame her. But, um, yeah, okay, great. Well, awesome first question answer. So I'd love to hear a bit more about the, the current, um, you know, programs and, um, you know, services that you're currently involved with or working with um, at Torrens and with Laureate. Um, I will say that for us the move to online provision wasn't as difficult a transition quite mm -hmm. simply because I'm, I manage a different type of model you know where in my previous roles at Curtin and UWA it was very it was very central you had your campus and it was, it was a very campus-centric approach to everything where here we are scattered across Australia and New Zealand and so when I look at provision I, I'm always thinking of it from a national perspective and rolling it out across so my team is scattered across the country as well, and I've, I've had to manage through that anyway. So for us, the switch to online wasn't as devastating. We, we made a transition with counselling, of course, uh -huh. um, and it's, it's worked really well. And if anything, the national model has allowed us to reduce our wait times quite substantially for students. So we're getting to them within, a, you know, just a, maybe a two hour turnover before we can get to them and, and get a, an active booking for them online. It, I mean, we do the face-to-face -face is a bit of a miss, but it, it's, it's still, at least it's increasing our impact that way. So that's been really good. So that's the okay. counseling, the disability is a national model as is the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. And we've added to, um, our international student advisors who add a real perspective to how to do the outreach because like so many providers right now, we have new international students who can't come on shore. Mm. So we have to be quite agile and ready to respond. Mm. And um, I think that my international student advisors have done a great job in outreach and we've connected through our student representative councils as well, our SRCs. So we've got some student to student connectivity going on. We're, yeah, we're trying and we just mm -hmm. keep looking every day for alternatives and, and how we can be present, you know, on some level. Sounds like you've got a lot on your plate right now. <laughs> yeah, <we're> busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, certainly in COVID, I don't think anyone's um, had more than a two week plan at best, uh, the, you know, this whole year. Mm -hmm. um, we've all just been having to adapt as it, as it comes. Um, 
Okay, great. Well, so, I mean, out of, out of all the different programs and, and, and things that you've been involved with, is there a, are there one or two particular student stories that you and your, or your team have been really proud to be a part of that you could share with us? Um, we Well, I can share something that we just managed to participate in for the first time, um, and it was really gratifying. It was the interchange program that was run through Study New South Wales. And it was run, you know, in, in previous years, it's all been face-to-face and it's a hackathon style thing. And okay. it has, yeah, and it has very much um, the ultimate outcome is to have a plan that has some impact. And so they were on different threads like sustainability and, and different ideas like that. And so we were um, first time participants with eight other unis around New South Wales. And we actually managed out of 19 students who participated, they, and there were 42 teams in total, and our students were in the second, third, fourth, and fifth placing teams overall. So we were really, wow. really chuffed by that. Yeah. Wow, and awesome. um, yeah, that's, I think that's a great success story because it's a new opportunity. And in spite of being disconnected, they were very connected through all, it was all done virtually this year for the first time. And, and it really ran beautifully. All, all kudos to Frank who managed it and, um, and studying New South Wales and, and University of uh, Western Sydney Uni who were hosting. It, they did a fantastic job and the, the finished products were so inspirational. I mean, what's better than watching a group of students come back and, and having brainstormed a real life problem and coming up with some actual workable solutions. It was, it was fantastic. Mm. That's great. I, um, I, I think some of the things that the uh, the state governments have been doing lately, you know, the um, study Queensland, study New South Wales, study Victoria, I think have just been so interesting. Uh, and I, I think, you know, it's been interesting to see them get more into the well, student support or student success uh, programs and, and to run these things across, um, across institution and then to see the universities come together on it. I, I think it's absolutely great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, awesome. A really good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, in the with with your background, with your history, I'm, I'm sure you must have some opinions about where is the space going. What's what's your vision um, for the next three you know three years from now? What will we be doing differently, or hopefully, or ideally? I think um, personally, I would really love to see student experience continue to gain prominence throughout our organizations. I think with the introduction of various um, standards in the higher education standards that enshrine the rights of students in terms of uh, well-being and safety and security, that's a big positive step in the right direction. And, And what it means within our organizations is that they must answer to that. And so it's no longer a nice to have. I believe we're moving to this, that space where it is essential. And you must not only demonstrate it, but you must also, I, I believe, always be aspiring to the next level of provision. This has worked. What can we do better? Where can we come next, go to next? And, you know, so we do a lot of um, analysis of what we've done. We, we try and get as much student feedback as possible and outreach as possible so that we can inform our practice going forward. Like, Every single student after a counseling session is issued a survey and we ask, it's voluntary obviously, but you know, that is really useful information for us. It's, it's mm-hmm. active research, we use it. And I believe that would like, 
I, I want to see it moving much more to student-centric design. We've got our regulations. We're being told these are the, the requirements we must meet. That's just the bare bones. Let's flesh that out with all of the things that we know our students are seeking. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so more and more uh, data-driven, data student feedback-driven um, you know, would be the, the ideal future. Yeah. Okay. And um, I've got a bonus question for you. Sorry, this wasn't on the list I sent through. <laughs> um, but I think with your, you know, your international experience, I think it'd be a shame if I didn't ask. What, with your international experience, what, what uh, lessons could we learn from some of the other, um, here in Australia, sorry, I'm talking now. What lessons could uh, educators in Australia or student experience teams in Australia potentially learn from um, the other, other markets that you've worked in? And maybe vice versa as well. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good question because um, I think, you know, education has become such a global phenomenon where there's no isolated pockets. And we tend to identify different regional areas as having strengths in certain places. And in Canada, um, well-being has always been at the forefront. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the Australian model for student health and well-being is actually fashioned on what was called the Okanagan Charter, which came out of uh, British Columbia. Yeah. And so that was that was the groundbreaking statement that enshrined all of the rights of students um, for access to things that are beyond just the academic. So feeding the mental and the physical and the whole well-being picture. It was a really holistic approach. And that became basically, I don't know, the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> it became the groundwork. Yeah, yeah what was to follow. And I believe um, Canada has always had that at, at the forefront and that's that's one of their fortes. Um, and I think Australia is, is pretty agile and pretty fast on picking up on all of that too. So I'd say it's, it's, a, it's a safe to say that, you know, we're learning very rapidly and we're taking the models and, and really, you know, regionalizing them to our benefit. And it was the same with, if you look at, um, the uh, the the paper that Respect Now Always was the genesis that came out of this whole paper on sexual assault, sexual harassment in universities. And that's when we all began to ensure that we had programming that addressed, you know, this whole um, sexual misconduct area and it's, it's that whole region. Um, and, you know, if we look at what Australia did, they were very fast at coming out with a response. We used, we leveraged on the UK um, content from an online course called Consent Matters, which is now in an Australian version, but we were really fast to get that in place. And we're seeing that like New Zealand is looking at what we're doing in that space as well and fashioning a response along a similar line to what Australia's done. So you can see how, you know, there's a, there's a mm. germination of an idea somewhere and it, and it will filter through. Yeah, and I think that really highlights the importance of... Um, of putting out ideas and making it bigger than your institution because look at what it can spark across across the yeah. globe. Yeah. Um, is there anything you think in you know particularly in Australia we we might be leading um, at the moment? I think Australia has um, a really great capacity to have a diverse field of international students. Um, mm. If I if I'm to look at our institution, uh, we we really pull, attract a large and diverse student base. And I, given the, the, 
terrain, the, everything about Australia, just sort of, it, it's such a nice, a, a, an amazing destination and it's been very welcoming. So I feel that that's really to our benefit and you can really see that reflected in terms of um, choice of destination. It, we've just climbed consistently over the years from an international perspective as a, as a great place to go for things like well-being and safety and security. Um, for things like, you know, um, mobility around the country, people can, can go, um, like we have a lot of students who'll start in one part, like they go maybe from Brisbane to Adelaide, depending because we have a state by state base in terms of, um, work and transition to work. And if you're in a remote or rural, that's a really great idea for international students because it'll encourage them to go to not outposts, but the places that have been designated as remote or rural. And, and that's a good model of decentralization of your students. Mm. And it's a good way to allow for all regions to benefit from mm. the experience of having student international students with them. Mm. Mm. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Thanks for answering the bonus question. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So this is one of my favorite questions to ask. What's a common misconception that you hear within the student experience space? or a contrarian belief that you have? <laughs> um, I think that that's a tricky one. I read that one. Uh, it, it stuck with me. I, for me, one of the challenges that we meet regularly is a reluctance of certain areas to become involved in, in what they deem as not, not my area. And, you know, so I do this. I don't need to think about that. And, it's you really if, if you're in implementing a mental health framework for students or staff and to me they're not mutually exclusive they must be inclusive because you can't have it operational unless students and staff participate in a, in a mental uh, well-being framework um, so for me it would be that that notion of some sort of schism that segregates I don't have that responsibility and you can see it really readily in a situation if you have a student who's presenting with some challenging behaviors, um, you'll get people who, in spite of the provision of training in response, will right away put their hands up and run for a counselor. And um, I think that, to me, until you reach that level of enablement where people will understand that it's not always about just handing over and handing over. I'm here, I'm present, I can have an immediate impact. And I can take that mantle on until such time as I can get to the next level of support for this person. Mm. Okay. All right. Great answer. I haven't been able to ask this question out of the podcast because I've never got to it. Is there someone in particular who inspires you in the student experience space? Oh gosh. So many. Um, I have, I have a, a colleague who I met last year and I find um, her work really appealing. Uh, I met her at the, uh, there was an edX symposium last year and uh, her name's Kylie Ebert and she is the director of student life over at Macquarie, just down the road mm -hmm. from me. And um, she, she came to Macquarie from Newcastle and she, what she has managed to achieve in a short span of time, I really, really admire. She's got a, um, a very open and inclusive attitude to it. And, uh, she, I, I, I aspire because I look and I think she's got all, she's ticked all the boxes that I'm trying to reach at the moment. So, mm. um, I mean, it's a different, it's a different 
dynamic in terms of our, our, our organizations and our institutions, but mm -hmm. I'm really in awe of what she's managed to achieve in, in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was, I think I was at that same conference with you actually. In, um, I think in you Sydney, were, yes. <laughs> and I, I loved how to the point Kylie was, and transparent as well. Yeah, she, uh, that's, she, she that's my, yeah, that's my kind of approach too. So I think that we're mutually uh, attracted yeah. because we're going, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, no, no barriers. Um, I like that. Okay. I'll, uh, the okay, final question for you. Um, okay. What advice or encouragement would you give a student about to begin their journey at university? Any student? Um, is there a particular group you're most passionate about? No, actually, I think that's a fair question because um, one of the things that I talk about with my team is when we talk about diversity and inclusion, to me, inclusion means everyone. And so I don't like to think of any specific group. And let's say I don't fall into one of those groups. Does that mean I'm ignored? It shouldn't, right? And so that's a really big thing for me as well is to acknowledge that we've got everyone in that space and mm -hmm. I shouldn't be focusing on one or the other. Um, and so for me, like when my son started uni, I, I just said to him, take time to understand the system, mm -hmm. take time to understand what's available to you. And I think for me, the biggest difficulty and, and the, the largest insurmountable hurdle is when students are not um, questing for more information about what is there. We have so much and sometimes I feel it's it's an embarrassment of riches. They just they can't they can't quite find it all because there's just too much and it's maybe we're overloading them with information. So my suggestion was really to him to utilize his orientation time, find out how things work and when he's away really go through like before he traveled off to uni um i said let's let's work our way through the pages on on the on the student experience pages on your um website here and look and really understand and that made a big difference to him but you see he had a champion in his corner pushing him in that direction um, we really need that connection to get students to look, to seek, and to ask, and not just rely on word of mouth from their friends, which tends to be the go-to thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, you know, I would 100% resonate with that advice. And, and I think that some of the most interesting, you know, new sort of student success or support programs I've been seeing is the, you know, the the peer mentoring scheme where that person, the, the mentor is really charged with signposting and making sure that, you know, being what you were just were, you know, that champion, bringing all those support services to light and really ramming it in that this is what's yeah. available to you, you know, you can stand out to this. All right. Mm -hmm. Great advice, Kerry. Okay. So we've, we've come to our, uh, the end of our 15 minutes. Did uh, we do it? Did we get uh, through them all? We, we did. We, oh, I, I skipped one, but uh, oh. we, this is the most we've ever done. So this is the furthest. Um, and oh. We'll, we will need to wrap up. Uh, Kerry, thank you so much uh, for having uh, watching me have coffee uh, <laughs> today and sharing your stories, your advice, your passion and your, and your visions. Uh, thank you to everybody who is listening in post. And if you'd like to stay updated and, and hear more, um, then we will be posting about the next episodes both on LinkedIn, uh, at Bigo, and on our website. So thank you all again. And thank you, Kerry, for being here today. My pleasure.